It is Mother's Day today. Mother's Day is a really personal thing. And I know uh, for a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of pain attached to it. And so for those of you who, who dread hearing a Mother's Day message, you can breathe a sigh of relief because this is not a Mother's Day message. <laughs> so I think we should honor our mothers 365 days of the year. It's a commandment. It made the top ten, so it's an important thing, (laughs) more important than David Letterman's top ten. If you have your Bibles, could you open up to Mark chapter 4? And Jesus taught them, a large crowd, many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen. Jesus said, listen. Whenever Jesus says, listen, what should we do? Good idea. A sower went out to sow. And now this is a Mother's Day. This is not this kind of sowing, okay? S-E-W-E-R. It's sow, like plant seeds. And he sowed, and some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell uh, fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched. Because it didn't have sufficient root, it withered. Other seed fell among thorns, and they grew up and choked it, and it did not produce grain. But other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, sprouting and growing. Some yielded 30 times as much, some 60, and some 100 times. And when he said, whoever has ears to hear, he had better listen. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve, asked him about the parables. He said to them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. That's pretty profound, isn't it? But to those outside, everything is in parables, so that although they may look but not see, and although they may hear, but not understand, so that they may not repent and be forgiven. And he said to them, don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? The sower sows the word. There are those on the path where the word is sown, and whenever they hear it, immediately Satan comes and snatches the word that was sown in them. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. And as soon as they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves and they do not endure. Then when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, immediately they fall away. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but worldly cares, the seductiveness of wealth, and the desire for other things come and choke the word and it produces nothing. But these are the ones sown on good soil. They hear the word, they receive it, and they bear fruit. They hear the word, they receive it, and they bear fruit. One thirty times as much, one sixty, and one a hundred. I am a blessed woman. I have a blessed life. A few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say that just simply because of my, 
feeling like, oh gosh, I don't want to say that. That'll come across so boastful. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that I know that the only reason that I'm blessed is because I know the secret of the kingdom of God. And I want to offer you an encouragement today that you too can be blessed. So if your life is already awesome, you can just shut down now and you don't have to listen. But if you're feeling that something is missing or that there could be something more, I want you to have ears to hear. I have a really specific goal in mind today, and that is to encourage you to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. This is not a prosperity message, and it's a hard word, and I need to just warn you up front. I feel such a burden in my spirit as your mother. I feel like I am your mother and I need to bring you a correction. And as any mother is motivated because of her love for her children or should be motivated because of that, I come before you today humbly terrified to bring you this correction because I don't want to say it in any way that would hurt you or that would hinder your growth in Christ. But I cannot go another day without being honest with you. I'm going to talk to you today about the four kinds of soil. Our hearts are represented by the soil. You know, in 1999, we gave up everything to come out here to plant a church. We did not come out here to plant a church of casual attenders. We came out here with the mandate that Jesus gives in Matthew 28 to go into all the world and make disciples. What a disciple means is a slave. I mean, a disciple is one who learns, but ultimately we are called to be slaves of Christ, to give up our own rights. And when we came out here, that was our goal, and that still is our goal to this day, is to make disciples. We would rather have a church of 60 fully devoted disciples than a church of 6,000 casual attenders. And therefore, we are willing to do whatever it takes, whatever we feel that the Lord is impressing upon our hearts, to see you become fully devoted disciples. When Jesus talks about the different types of soil in this parable, there are the four types. The first one is the one that falls on the path. It doesn't even make it to the soil. And then, and then the birds come and snatch it away, right? That is representative of those who will never know Christ or who don't receive the word at all. You know, Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about hell, so we shouldn't be either. Jesus talked about hell a lot. And there is a reason that there is hell. And that's not my larger point today. But as believers in Christ and as disciples, we need to have that fear that, that we need to recognize that there are people that are going to go to hell 
And our job is to try to prevent that. Amen? In whatever way we can, we need to be willing to share the good news of Jesus with others. The second type of soil is those who will hear the message. They get excited about the message, but they, they are shallow. They never grow. They never do anything about it. They don't know what the word of God says. They don't lose their lives in any way. And what ends up happening is that the first trial that comes along they get blown out the door. Hardships, trials, they forget the sovereignty, they forget the grace of God, they forget the power of God, and they fall away. The third group, these are the ones that hear the word, but because of the things of the world, the worldly distractions, it says the seductiveness of wealth, the deceitfulness of riches, things of this world and temporal things, These things are more important to them than eternal things. They get blown out. My desire today is to bring hope that you can become the fourth type of soil, that you will hear the truth today and that you will respond to it, not just get excited but then never grow, never know the word, never get into the Bible. The Bible is the only way we can be solid in what we know, because it is what God promised us that he would be like. So if we don't know what the Bible says, we can't really know God. You cannot trust your own assessment. You can't trust your own heart. You have to know what the Bible says. Everything, as believers, everything that we believe has to be filtered through what God says about himself, right? Imagine writing a letter to somebody saying, this is who I am. I'm this, and this is who I am, and I want you to know me, and I da-da-da-da, and they tell you, this is my story and everything. And the person goes, yeah, I love you, but they never read the letter. That's what we do when we don't know God's word. I'm sorry if I'm being too harsh. I mean, I'm not really sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry if you think I am. Don't you love those kind of apologies? Oh, well, I'm sorry that you were hurt by what I said. (laughs) But my desire is that you would live a full life, that you would live an abundant life, that you would embrace the secret of the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus says in John 8, 42, he says, if God were your father, you'd love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you're unable to do so. For you're children of your father, the devil, and, if you, and you love to do the evil he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you naturally don't believe me. <clears throat> Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? Since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone whose father is God, this is, this is what I, my hope is for you, is that you would listen to the words of God. But Jesus says, since you don't, it proves that you aren't his children. You know, those who have the shallow roots, <clears throat> excuse me, the second kind of soil, are the ones By the way, I'm going to say the first kind of soil, 
I'm assuming there are probably, hopefully, nobody in here that falls into that category. By virtue of the fact that you're here, my prayer and my desire is that you will become the fourth type of soil. Excuse me. Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now that doesn't mean just life in the future. It means you can experience life right now. Revelation 3 Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea. He says, I know your deeds. I know that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm and you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Some, some scholars, thank you, <clears throat> say the reason that we become lukewarm is because we were once hot. We were once on fire for God but maybe the cares of this world have come in or maybe we're deceived by, by temporal things or by the worldly things and they prevent us from really becoming fully sold out to Jesus. Excuse me. The third kind of soil are those who are distracted by the world. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. <coughs> it's satanic, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <coughs> Uh, in Matthew 24, this is a really scary verse to me. It says, because of it, Matthew 24, 12, it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. You know, we're called to be set apart. We're called to be sanctified. We're called to be different. You know, like Jesus says when he's talking about money, he says, what separates you from the pagans? What's the difference between you and your, and your neighbor who doesn't know the Lord? What's the difference? Is there a difference? Or do you put your hope in the same thing your neighbor does? Is this clear? Am I making any sense? Would you tell me if I wasn't? <clears throat> Excuse me. Psalm 101. I, I'm not going to read the whole thing right now, but this is such a good... Actually, this is a really good Mother's Day verse when it's talking about women being the keeper of their home, talking about leading a blameless life and, and not looking on, with approval on things that God doesn't look with approval on. You know, we're supposed to save for eternal rewards. Ecclesiastes 6.2, God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing that his heart desires but God does not enable him to enjoy them. And a stranger enjoys them instead. This is meaningless and a grievous evil. Can you imagine? God gives you all this wealth. He gives you all of these things, and he doesn't give you the ability to enjoy them. I have have a story about Stuart, the guy that's coming to um, do the men's retreat. He had a roommate living with him, and it was his, his... friend from Philadelphia, and he didn't know the Lord, and he, his name was Pat, and he was living with, with our pastors, and he went and bought this couch, 
on sale, and it was a $2,500 couch, and he got it for 200 bucks. And he was all stoked. And he stored it in the garage at Stuart and Jendy's house, and then Stuart and Jendy decided that they were going to foster adopt. And so the, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever agency it was came in and said, oh, you're going to need to have this space right here in your garage. You're going to need to have so many feet of storage or whatever. And so Pat ended up having to sell the couch to us for 200 bucks. And that was the verse that the Lord gave us. It was, it was that he gives, he gives the, and I'm not saying Pat was a wicked guy. I don't know where Pat is today. But at the time, he didn't know the Lord. It says, but it says that he didn't give him the, the ability to enjoy that couch We got the ability to enjoy that couch. (laughs) Score. (laughs) And here's the good news. The prosperity of the Lord. It says the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And the Lord adds no sorrow to it. You know, I used to work at a very upscale resort with extremely wealthy people. And they were the most miserable people. And I used to question that because I had, you know, one pair of shoes. I was a starving college student, you know, and I don't know. I, I just could never understand why are they so miserable? They have everything the world has to offer. They're on vacation. They're supposed to be happy. But they were so miserable. And I remember thinking, you know, it's because they put their hope in their riches. They put their hope in in the things of this world that can never satisfy. But the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11 says, You will be made rich in every way, so that you may be generous on every occasion which is producing through us thanksgiving to God because the service of this ministry is not only providing for the needs of the saints but also overflowing with many thanks to God go back to that you will be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion when I stand up here and talk to you about being generous I'm not boasting in myself, but I can boast in the faithfulness of the Lord because he has proven himself time and time and time again. And I can tell you that Eric and I have never, ever not given to God our first fruits. We have never thought, ooh, we don't have enough. We better not give this month. Never. And we have, our first three years of our marriage, we lived below the poverty line, like legitimately. But... God provided for us bountifully. For example, I had, the, I had a piano student one time, and her husband was like the, the vice president of national semiconductors. And she came to her piano lesson one day. Here we are. We can barely make our rent, you know? And this woman comes to her piano lesson. She goes, you know, I just clean out one of my closets. Would you like some clothes? What size do you wear? Just coincidentally, we wear the same size. <laughs> She came in with four bags of designer clothes. I mean, top of the line. Here I am, living below the poverty line, you know, wearing Versace or whatever, I don't know. 
It was, it was ridiculous. I mean, but God is so creative. He is so creative. He doesn't do things the way the world does. He doesn't, he doesn't provide the way the world does, but he does it in such an exciting way. And I have been hearing stories for the last couple of weeks from people talking about that they decided, I am going to start to give God my first fruits. I'm going to start to trust God with my finances. I'm going to give him everything. And I have heard so many stories from people talking about how creative God is, like you guys, how creative God is, how God comes up with these crazy plans to totally blow us away and to demonstrate to us that he will provide for all of our needs, that he is faithful. I talked to one young lady this this week, and she said that the Lord began to speak to her heart, that she, she had always been really good with her money, but that that's where her hope was in the fact that she was really good with her money. And the Lord began to challenge her. The Lord began to say, I want you to give it away. And so she said she started just praying and asking, Lord, where can I give it away? And she said, it's so fun. She goes, it's like Christmas. She goes, it's been so much fun. And I can promise you, I mean, Eric and I have story after story after story of the faithfulness of God. But it doesn't make any sense. You give stuff away, and then God goes, and he gives you like a million times more. Well, not a million, because that's a lot, but a lot more. (laughs) That was an exaggeration. (laughs) But I can give you one example. Eric, do I have permission to share the example about the... Um, the money at the Sacramento Convention. <laughs> a bit. No. Okay, Eric and I have a practice um, that whenever we go somewhere and they ask for money, you know the Bible does say to give to everyone who asks, right? Do you know that? Jesus said that? Okay. So whenever we go to, you know, convention or whatever and they give an offering, we, we pray silently and then, which is, better than praying out loud because that'd be really distracting for everyone else. But we pray, and then we look at each other and we go, what'd you get? And you know what? Almost invariably, we always get the same exact amount. And I believe it's a supernatural thing. I don't think that it's just like a coincidence or like we're sitting there analyzing, how much do we have in the bank account? It's, it's not about that. It's a spiritual thing. So this this convention, they were, um, gonna, they were taking up an offering to give to an orphanage in Cambodia. And so our pastor, or the pastor of, of Foursquare of our denomination, he stood up there and he talked about this. And he said, I want you to pray and ask the Lord to give you an amount. And then he began to preface, 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 I'm not a prosperity preacher, and all this stuff. And then he said, I want you to take the amount that you feel like the Holy Spirit gave you, and I want you to move the decimal point one to the right. Well, Eric and I had just bought our first house. We had $500 left in our savings account, and that was supposed to get us through to our next paycheck. That included groceries. We had four little kids at the time. Groceries, gas, you know, heating, whatever. Everything. So we Wow, 500 bucks, that's it. It's a good thing we have gas in our tank. So we moved the decimal point over, one to the right. 
and we wrote a check for $500. Please do not, do not hear me saying, are we not amazing? I am not saying that at all. This is all glory to God. And I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give you examples to build your faith so that you follow me as I follow Christ, that you follow us as we follow God and lose your life for the sake of the kingdom of God. We wrote this check for $500. I do not have a clue how we got through the next two weeks, but somehow we did. About three months later, I get a call from my dad. He goes, yeah, I remember your Aunt Martha died, and da, 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 and she left a little bit of an inheritance, and so I'm going to be sending you a check for $500. I was like, yeah, cool. Six months later, Eric's company got hostily taken over. And he had 1,000 stock options at $2 a piece. If you don't know anything about finance, it didn't make any sense to me either. But 1,000 1, options at $2, and the stock had gone up to 67 which meant we got a check. Oh, I should back up. Let me back up a little bit. Because on December 1st, we had accrued some debt because we had remodeled our house, and we got in a car accident, and our car was totaled, and we didn't... Um, we didn't have any money to buy another car, and we had some other financial things come up, and so um, I just kind of prayed one of those little little arrow prayers, and I said, Lord, could you please get us out of debt by the end of the year? Well, this was December 1st, and we had, we had about $28,000 debt, so it was, it was a pretty substantial amount. So we get this check for $65,000. And we were able to share with our local church. We were able to buy a car outright, and we were able to pay off our debt. And I'm not saying this to say, you know, I'm not a prosperity person. I'm a Jesus person. I'm a person that says if you lose your life for him, you will find it. And the Bible is so clear about this, that you can be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And I am imploring you to test God in this. The reason that Jesus blesses us with money, it says, use your worldly possessions to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. If you are sharing Christ with your neighbor, take them out for dinner. Buy them something. Give them something. Do something. Don't use your money to just bless yourself. Give it away. Be generous on every occasion. Mark 8.34 says, He called the crowd along with his disciples, and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for your sins. That even though each and every one of us has sinned, every one of us has fallen short of God's glory, that Jesus came and paid the price on the cross so that we don't get the punishment that we do deserve. That is what his mercy is. That is what his grace is. Yeah, you can applaud the Lord. That's okay. Let's applaud the Lord. But he's saying, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me and for the gospel, you will save it. 
For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Revelation 2 says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work. I've seen your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil and that you've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but aren't. You have discovered that they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I do have this complaint against you. Now, this is Jesus talking. You don't love me nor each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me. Do the works that you did at first. If you're one of those people, if you're in the category number four of the soil of the one who is fully, completely sold out to Christ and everything you have belongs to him, you know who you are, and you are blessed. I'm not saying you don't ever have trials. Eric and I have lots and lots and lots of trials because we have an enemy who hates our guts, and he wants us out of here, and he wants us dead. But I say, bring it on. (laughs) But if you're somebody who has at one time received that, word with joy but things of this world have come in hardships trials pain people have hurt you you have bitterness and it's just choked off that word and you're not excited anymore I just ask you return to your first love lose your life for the sake of Jesus Or if you're a person who you've received his truth, you've received it, but you're really distracted because you really like stuff in the world. You really like nice cars or you really, whatever. You have a relationship with a non-believer or whatever. The things of this world have distracted you from fully giving yourself to him, from losing your life. I just encourage you to return to your first love. And it's really the second category and the third category that I'm really addressing right now, and I'm going to invite you to come forward in a minute. And I am asking you, I'm imploring you, in the name of Jesus, I'm imploring you, lose your life. Lose your life so you can Don't be lukewarm. Don't be lukewarm. And I know that there are those of you who are going to walk out and you're going to not hear anything I said, and I understand that. But for those of you who have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking right now, I urge you with everything within me, give it up today. Lose your life so that you can find it and live so that you can be content, so that no matter what trials and hardships you go through, you can have that assurance that you're going to be okay. It will be well with your soul. 
I apologize if I didn't bring this message with enough love. If I didn't communicate it that way, that is my sole desire, is that you would find life, that you would be content in him, that you would be fully satisfied, that no matter what comes your way, you could rejoice. So could a couple of guys come up here? So I'm going to invite you to come up here. I know, I know that for those who've had the seed of the word snatched away, you're probably not even here, so I'm probably not talking to anybody in here. But if you find anything in your heart that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, listen. Jesus said, listen. I'm giving you the secrets of the kingdom of God. Just urge you, if you're one of those people and you, and you have issues that have robbed your joy, you have those things that have just choked out the word, you don't know the word, you don't even read the word, you don't even know what it says, I just encourage you, come forward. Or if you're somebody and you've just let the things of this world just distract you, just urge you to just come forward. It's between you and your maker, but come forward and repent. The word repent means to think a different way. Just think a different way. Give yourself fully to him this morning, completely. Don't hold back anymore. There is nothing that this world has to offer. Nothing this world offers will satisfy you. What profit is it if a man gains the entire world and loses his soul? What good is it? I'm just going to pray now for those of you who you've never received Christ, you've never been forgiven. I just want to invite you right now to just open up your heart, confess to Him that you need a Savior, you need to be forgiven that you can't pay the price for your own shortcomings and sins and transgressions. Or you've been trying to save yourself by doing good things, doing good works. I can tell you, you can never do enough. It doesn't erase the, the sin. Only Jesus Christ's blood on the cross can erase all of it. I just urge you, if you've never come to know Christ, come for receive his forgiveness, receive his love. And Father, I just pray for all these. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for these people that are returning to their first love, God. These people that want to have the abundant life that comes in you, Lord. I just, I, God, I just invite you to just give them the hope, Lord, that you will walk with them, Lord Jesus, that you will lead them and you will guide them by your word. God, you will show them who you are and you will just bring them into a new place, God, a new place of peace and hope and joy and prosperity that they have never known, Lord, in the name of Jesus.